Welcome back to the Adam Schefter podcast as we head into week 13 with some seismic matchups, most notably in Philadelphia Sunday afternoon between the San Francisco 49ers and Philadelphia Eagles in an NFC championship game rematch. And in the AFC, the current number one seed is the Baltimore Ravens and the leading sack getter on the Baltimore Ravens is 26-year-old defensive tackle Justin Matabike, who's having a breakout season right now, has 10 sacks, and basically becomes a free agent this offseason. He's the first Ravens player to record double-digit sacks in a season since Terrell Suggs in 2017, and Matabike couldn't have timed it any better with his contract now coming up and him being close to cashing in on it. Baltimore did attempt to re-sign him this past summer, didn't take the deal, and now he's going to land a huge deal this upcoming offseason, and he will be here to talk about the type of season he's had and the adjustment he's made to living in Baltimore, and quite the story that is, when he first arrived there and adjusted from going from Texas to Baltimore. But first, with my colleague Daniel Dopp, sick this week and under the weather we're going to have a fill-in six-pack co-host our producer christina buswell with this week's six-pack all right adam item number one on this week's six-pack there have been a lot of firings going on in the nfl this season christina it's wild it's wild if you look at it right over the last month the raiders fired josh mcdaniels and dave ziegler and mick lombardi the Bills fired offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. The Steelers fired offensive coordinator Matt Canada. The Commanders fired defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. The Panthers fired their head coach Frank Reich. Not to mention Deuce Staley, the assistant head coach, and Josh McCown from the offensive staff. All of a sudden, once one team does it to me, it opens the floodgates. And everybody feels compelled to start jumping in the firing pool. Plus, if you go back and look, to me, Thanksgiving is always signified. The start of hunting season for coaches. Owners ah. are going hunting for coaches right after Thanksgiving. Hunting season started a little bit earlier this year. Now it's in full force. And now, if you look back to last year, Christina, there were only five head coaching changes. If we go back to the turn of the decade, turn of the century, the league averages 6.8 head coaching changes per year. So every two years, every two years, there will be about 14 head coaching changes. Well, last year, there were only five. It is exceedingly rare to go five one year and say five the next, which tells me that we're going to get the number that boosts that average to 14. That would be nine this year. Now, will wow. we get nine? I don't know that we'll get nine, but we'll get at a minimum seven. And we could get upwards of nine or 10. So hunting season is underway the NFL owners get angry and impatient, as we saw this week in Carolina. And now we'll wait to see who else is next on the firing line. Well, item number two on this week's six-pack, speaking of Carolina, what are the selling points of this head coaching position? Well, this is where it's going to be incumbent upon David Tepper to use all the money that he's accumulated to try to give that to somebody. Last year, people said the same thing about the Houston Texans. And they were able to go lure D'Amico Ryans out of San Francisco to Houston with a six-year deal worth about $8 million a year. Now, here is a defensive coordinator who had never been a head coach before. And basically, 
he was interested in going to Houston because he played there. And I think he's from there. And I think his wife is from there. So that certainly helped. But it didn't hurt that Cal McNair and Hannah McNair were offering the type of money that when you're a coordinator, you can't turn that down. So the Panthers owner, David Tepper, is going to be in a challenging, tough position. He's faced tough battles in business before. This isn't the first or last one he'll ever have. But he's going to have to find a way to sell a job that, frankly, right now is not overly attractive. They're the worst team in football. They have the number one overall pick. They don't have a lot of talent. They've got a number of questions on that roster right now. They traded the number one overall pick to the Chicago Bears in 2024, not to mention a 2025 second round pick that also belongs to Chicago, courtesy of the trade for Bryce Young, who still isn't proving yet that he's going to be a big-time quarterback in this league. We don't know whether he's going to be really good or really ordinary or what. But so far, we haven't seen enough to feel confident and comfortable that Bryce Young is going to be the guy. So what are you selling? There's not a lot. So that's where it's going to be incumbent upon an owner who's been immensely successful in business to take some of that, I those ideas, transfer them over, make this job a little bit more appealing, spend more than you have to, give up more than you have to, and get the guy you want. But it is not going to be easy, especially when there are going to be other openings and other teams are interested in some of those other same coaching candidates. Last year, Ben Johnson from the Carolina area. So maybe that would make it more appealing to him, like D'Amico Ryans with Houston. Mm. Well, last year, but last year, Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, he didn't want to go to Carolina. He pulled out of the search, pulled out of the interview process before they could even complete it. He could have had that job last year, didn't want it last year. So if he didn't want it last year, why would he want it this year? Enter David Tepper. We'll see how that goes. We will see. Item number three on this week's six-pack, the Denver Broncos. How surprised are we with where they're at right now in this season? Well, let me say this to you, Christina. They were left for dead on the side of the road with a one in five record, (laughs) having given up 70 points to the Miami Dolphins. It was a disaster. In the first six games of the season, they were one in five. Their points per game difference was minus 11.8. So they were being outscored by an average of 11.8. Now, I guess the 70-point burger in Miami skews that a little bit, but still minus 11.8. Their turnover differential in the first six games was minus five. Since then, since then, 5-0, 5-0. Wow. Their point-per-game scoring difference plus 7.4 points per game, and their turnover margin in those last five games, and this is where I think the difference is, is plus 13. So they went from minus five in the first six games to plus 13 in the last five games. And if you have that much of a turnover difference, you take that much of a jump. Now, I think an enormous amount of credit goes to Sean Payton, the Broncos head coach. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Greg Penner, the Broncos owner, is going to be one of the great owners in football. Hmm. He is going to be one of the great owners and the people in that organization don't speak highly of him. They rave about him and he's going to become one of the best selling points of that organization. As somebody who covered that team for almost 16 years, I could tell you that Pat Bowen was one of the great owners in all of sports. And I think that Greg Penner really has a chance to become that type of successful owner in Denver. He hired a coach who has experience. They've turned it around when nobody thought it was possible. And if you look at the schedule, the Broncos look like, They're back on the way to the playoffs, which 
nobody, nobody <laughs> would have thought was possible after six games. If you had told me after six games that this Denver Bronco team is going to go to the playoffs, I would have thought there was a better chance of Slippery Rock winning the national championship in college football. <laughs> Oh, you and me both. Moving right along, item number four on this week's six-pack. Jerry Jones said something last week that, that got you floored. What what did he say? I couldn't believe this. They, they beat the commanders on Thanksgiving Day. And I'm going to read the quote that he told reporters after the game. He said, I don't know that I've had a day like this. And I'll include them all. I'll put Super Bowls in there. I don't know if I've ever had a better day with the Cowboys then today, stop, pause. Okay, think about this. Jerry Jones has won Super Bowls. He's had huge business deals. He's built Jerry's. And he's saying that the win over the Washington Commanders on Thanksgiving Day <laughs> was maybe the best day he's ever had as a Dallas Cowboys owner. Now, that's unbelievable. There's a lot that I could think of when he says that. But it also makes me think of all the great things that await the Cowboys this season. Like, they got a real chance. They're one of about three or four teams in the NFC that can win a championship, in my mind. They got the chance to make them. Can you imagine? That would be, I guess, the greatest day of Jerry Jones' life if they win it this year. (laughs) Based on his Thanksgiving experience. I would say winning a playoff game, winning a Super Bowl, winning a conference championship, whatever maybe that's going to have to trump a Thanksgiving Day victory over the Washington Commanders. It was a glorious day. We saw Deron Bland, the cornerback, get another pick six at an NFL record. Jim Nance nearly burst out of the booth broadcasting that. It was very memorable, very cool to see the whole thing. And by the way, as we take this Tuesday morning early, Dallas now is a huge game on Thursday night against the Seattle Seahawks at home before hosting the Philadelphia Eagles at Mm -hmm. home in another huge matchup. So if Jerry Jones enjoyed Thanksgiving Day, these next two weeks could be sheer ecstasy for him. (laughs) Well, good luck to Jerry Jones. Item number five on this week's six-pack. Speaking of the Eagles, looking ahead to week 13, we have the San Francisco 49ers playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Adam, what about this rivalry matchup gets you excited? Uh, everything about it, right? This is, you could make the argument that it might be the two best teams in football right now. Absolutely. And the 49ers are rolling along and they are talented and they they never had a chance in that NFC Championship game last year. When you watch that game, Brock Purdy got hurt early on with that elbow injury, tore the ligament that required surgery in the offseason. He left the game and it. I, I, I rarely have seen a playoff game where I felt less hope for a team than the 49ers had that day. There was never a moment in that game that I felt like once it started, the 49ers were going to win. Yeah, They never had a moment like, oh, they're making a push. They're making a run here. Never. It was hopeless. And it was distorted because of the fact that Brock Purdy was hurt. So I think the 49ers have had this game circled. And I think the Eagles, they just, they don't want to lose. Jalen Hurts has become a modern day Tom Brady, willing himself to victory after victory in close game after close game. And it doesn't matter how down they are. And it doesn't matter how tough the circumstances are. That guy has got something in him that pushes that team to victories that you would think might be unreachable. He's got something in him that really is star power. And it's also made me think back. If you go back to his first playoff game, it was in Tampa 
if I remember correctly, a wild card game, and I think he was shut out. And I remember after that game, a lot of Eagles fans wanted to move on from Jalen Hurts. Mm. So th- there's a little bit of a lesson in there, right? Sometimes we have to give these quarterbacks a little bit of leeway, a little bit of patience, a little time to grow into what Jalen Hurts has become. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Jalen Hurts has. He's become one of the single best players in the league, and not only as a player, but a leader. That guy is the guy you want for your team. So he now leads his team against the 49ers. Great team when I can't wait to see them walk out of that tunnel, listen to the music with the boombox. Like I could watch highlights of that every single day <laughs> and be entertained always. So let's just have these two NFC Titans square up on Sunday. I'll be in front of my TV. I'll be watching that game. Two great teams. And I think that no matter who wins, these teams have a realistic chance to meet again in the playoffs, which would make it one of Jerry Jones' worst days of his life if it happened to be in the (laughs) NFC Championship game. But again, that factors in. So we'll have Jerry vying for that spot. We'll have the Eagles vying for that spot, the 49ers vying for that spot, and all these little NFC teams here in the next couple of weeks get the chance to come in together and settle it. Well, we will see what happens. Lastly, item number six on this week's six-pack, the Ravens are the number one seed in the AFC North. What do you have to say about that? Well, they have done everything right. Like, it is unbelievable how they just seem to keep rolling along every single year. Lamar Jackson, the contract's up in the air. He wants to be traded. They get the deal done. And they quietly go and have a great offseason, right? They add Odell Beckham in part because he's Odell Beckham and he's a great player, but in part because it was going to help entice Lamar Jackson to come back to Baltimore, which it did. Lamar resigns. Odell has been a good player for them. They draft Zay Flowers, who looks electric out there. Mm -hmm. The defense adds Jadevian Clowney. Jadevian Clowney is having a breakout season. He looks like he was born to play in this Ravens defense, and he's making plays. And one of the unsung heroes of that defense, Christina, is Justin Matabuke. And Justin Matabuke on Sunday night had a half sack to give him double-digit sacks for the season. He timed this perfectly. Baltimore put on a press to sign him this summer. He rolled the dice. He bet on himself like Joe Flacco once did with the Baltimore Ravens. And like Joe Flacco winning, Justin Matabuki is in line to win. He's become one of the elite young defenders in the game. I believe he's on his way to the Pro Bowl this year. If he doesn't go to the Pro Bowl, it's a travesty. You can even make some conversation that he belongs in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation, which I don't think will win when you got guys like Miles Garrett and TJ Watt dominating play, but that's how good Justin Matabuki has been. He'll be a Pro Bowl player this year, I expect. He is a free agent this offseason, and I know he won't like to hear this, but I would think that the Baltimore Ravens can't let him go. And if they can't get him re-signed by then, they'll probably have to use their franchise tag on him. But that's a conversation for another day. Let's go on to a different conversation with the standout defensive tackle of the Baltimore Ravens. Justin Matabike. There he is. Yeah, what's going on, Adam? How you doing? How you doing, Justin? Hey, man, I'm good, man. I can't complain. Uh, you know, coming off the good win. So, yeah, we're chilling. We're good. How are you? You're doing better than good. Now, we're taping this before you go to L.A., and we're going to run this after you play the Chargers on Sunday night. So we don't know what's going to happen on Sunday night, but we know at this point of your season, at the time of this taping, you've got nine and a half sacks in 11 weeks. You've turned it up at the perfect time. You're part of the best defense, one of the best defenses in all of football. What in your mind has been the big key to this season, Justin? 
I think it's just dialing in, dialing in every aspect. Um, everybody on the defensive front and the back end, just in terms of just execution on game plan, sleep, having each other's back, making sure that uh, we're all playing as one, you know what I mean? So we can definitely uh, dominate offensive schemes and whatever they're trying to do to us and trick us and this, that, and the third. Now we're trying to be on top of it. We're just trying to believe in each other, trust each other, and think uh, when you do that, you get good results on defense. You know, you guys have been very good this year, but the quarterbacks in your division keep dropping like flies. It's unbelievable. No Joe Burrow anymore. No Deshaun yeah. Watson anymore. What goes through the mind of a defensive player when two of your rivals lose two players as important as they are to their teams? It's tough. You know, those are two super key players to both franchises. And it's just uh, it's crazy how both of them um, are out for the rest of the season. You know, there's a lot of football left. You know, we're midway half of the season, so it's definitely tough. But I know guys are going to step up and do their thing because that's just what they're called to do. Now, I know somebody said that they heard Joe Burrow say he heard a pop in his elbow. Were you in his vicinity? Could you hear him talk after the injury? Do you hear anything that goes on on the field like that when he goes down with an injury? I didn't hear Joe Burrow. Adam. I didn't hear him at all. Uh, I didn't even know he was hurt until I saw uh, the backup quarterback play, and I thought uh, maybe Joe would come back, but he didn't. And then after the game, I found out he was out for the – not only the rest of the game, but the whole year. So that was pretty crazy. It's a wild night. It was a wild night. Now, let me go to you for a second here. Yeah. You saved your best performance for the perfect time. You're on an expiring contract. Your team tried to re-sign you before the season began. And now it seems like you've taken your game to a whole new level where you've had at least a half sack in every game since week four. What has been the big breakthrough for you, Justin, this season? Uh, just putting it all together, um, you know, just I feel like when I got drafted here at the Ravens, like every every year I find a way to keep developing, keep getting better. And, uh, you know, I feel like this year you know, uh, people be like, oh, he contract here, you know, he's, he's about to ball out. But I feel like it's just me developing as just a player, just in football, you know what I mean? Just learning, being a sponge, always asking questions, trying to time up pass rush games, you know what I mean? Like in the summer I worked out a lot and trying to sharpen my craft, you know what I mean? So I think it's just all just coming together, just having faith in what you do and just going out there and playing football at the end of the day. When did you know it was clicking and you had there had to be a time where you felt like, okay, I'm hitting my stride here, I'm hitting my groove, and you knew that you were kind of in your element? Mm, maybe after the London game. After the London game. Um, we played up there in London, you know, different, different atmosphere. Um just a lot of stuff that's just out of the norm. I just felt like even with everything being out of the norm and time zone changes and this, that, and the third, I just felt like I could still be the dominant player that I know I am and just go out there and just play ball. And just I felt like I just let it loose, trusted myself. I was, I was getting sacks at three, getting sacks at five tech, rushing outside, rushing inside, gaming it up, running to the ball. So I just felt like after that game, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 people are in trouble. Yeah, people are in trouble. So Now, you, you've been lighting it up. You've been one of the very best defensive linemen in football all year long. It would be crazy for you not to go to the Pro Bowl this year. We'll see whatever postseason accolades may await you. A extended run in the postseason certainly wouldn't hurt. But what would it mean personally to you to get voted to the Pro Bowl that you deserve, Justin? Uh, it would mean a lot, you know. It would mean a lot. But, uh, you know, all of that stuff is outside of my power and outside of my control. I just want to be a dominant player for my team. 
be a force on on the defensive front. Um, you know, what I mean, setting edges, making TFLs, tackles, whatever I can do to make my team win. I feel like when I focus on that, you know, what I mean, all the all the extra stuff, you know, what I'm saying sprinkle after. You know, what I mean, I don't worry about it. You just worry about being a dominant player for your team and just balling out and just being a force. So that's just really been my memo to myself. Like, don't worry about all the extra stuff. Handle your handle. Handle the business first. You know what I mean, the rest will follow itself. So that's smart, Justin. Just do what you can do, right? Yeah, that's, that's it. really simple. I mean, you work hard. You keep making plays. All that stuff is going to happen for you. That's right. Right? See, like the contract as an example. You don't think about it. You just keep making plays. Okay, it's happening. Now, your defense at the time that we're taping this, before you leave for L.A., leads the league in sacks with 44. What makes this pass rush so effective in your mind? In my mind, it's it's coming from the top to the bottom in terms of like vets to the rooks, just making plays. Clowney's having a great year. Calvin, I know he got out the couch and is just balling. Dafe's coming back, balling. Mike Pierce, Herb, Roger Washington, um, even to Davis Robinson, our the, the rookie from Ole Miss. Man, he got his nice little sack on Burrow on the third down. So the vets are balling, the rookies are balling. You're as strong as your weakest link. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem like weak links on defense so we're just going to keep climbing that's what we do ravens ball just that's just our memo man just get after your quarterback man that's what it is ravens ball yeah what is what which means what like last week we did with taylor decker lions culture so this week it's ravens ball what is ravens ball to you justin just tenacious vicious physical defensive front lbs secondary shut down corners Marlon Humphrey, Brandon Stevens, Rokon Smith. Yeah, I mean, I know yeah. those names. Like, come on, man. You got me on there. <laughs> got Fiore, I mean, these we're Kyle Hamilton covered. We're loaded. We and, and, we and we love each other. We play every down. You know what I'm saying? Believing in each other. Man, just showing on tape. I have another question about your size. You came out supposedly a big baby, right? Your parents were not from this country, from Nigeria? Yeah, they are, yeah. Right. And they moved to Texas mm-hmm. and your mom, when she gave birth to you, my understanding is that when the doctor pulled you out, you weighed 10 pounds and he pronounced you as a football player at that time. Has your mom told you that story? She has. She has. She's okay. Now I'm a football player and it all came to fruition. <laughs> but that's crazy. She told me that. I was like, really? Out of all things. Were you always bigger than everybody else, Justin? I, uh, I wasn't like fat. You know, I wasn't like fat, but I was like have long limbs, skinny, muscular, always like active, always had a lot of energy, always like to play sports. You know, what I mean, I had a lot of energy, all that stuff. So I was always like big, you know, if I wasn't the biggest, I always act like I'm the biggest, loud, all that stuff. A lot of energy, a lot of a lot of energy. That's my mom would always tell me energy. And when was the first time with all that energy as a 10 pound baby, you thought that you'd like to make football your living? Like when was the first time you thought? This is something that I can do and do effectively. It was in high school, honestly. It was in high school. I moved from McKinney High to McKinney North, and I I uh, was missing all my friends from McKinney High, and I was going to a new district because uh, they were uh, 4A, you know what I mean? So it was just – I knew that I was like – as a freshman, I was like, I need to – I need to get scholarships and play for, and, and try this football thing. I'm, pre- I'm pretty good. Coaches are saying I'm pretty good at it, so – you know, I wanted to get scholarships. I wanted to shine on there. And that's just what, what it was. I really got determined after practice, after school. I'll be working out, drinking 
chocolate milk, trying to get muscular. I was like 220, 225. So I, I, I had to get ripped up. So in my senior year, I was like 265. So I went from 220 to 265. And then at Texas A&M, where you went to college, did your weight go up from there? It went up again. Yeah, I went from like maybe 265, like three, even like 310, 305. I was kind of big, but uh, I felt like I wasn't like really, really like playing at my best when I was like really, really big. You know what I mean? I, I felt like I can play like 295, 300 at most, 290, around that area where I can just be stout and quick, tenacious, strong. So that's uh, that's how it all came about. And what's it like for somebody who's from Dallas, who goes to school at Texas A&M, to wind up being drafted in the Northeast and going to Baltimore? Uh, You know, it was, it was, it was an adjustment. You know what I mean? I remember my first day I got my car out here to go to the facility. I hit a deer my first day, my first day. <laughs> really? Deer. Yeah. I was a rookie and my whole front bumper was messed up and I was showing them. They're like, Oh, well we have practice in like 20 minutes. So get ready. I'm just like, okay, all right. I guess this is how the NFL is. You know what I'm saying? They don't care. You know what I mean? But not in the sense of like, you're, you're a rookie. So they're not going to like baby. You know what I mean? You, you, you have to learn your stripes and stuff. So, you know, it was definitely different from seeing armadillos and stuff in Texas to seeing deers flashing before your eyes when you're driving. So, and, and how much did it cost to fix your car then, Justin? Oh, man, I don't even. I think insurance insurance took care of it or something, but I don't know. But it was a, it was definitely a big dent. It was it was there for a while. But you were safe then. There was no you were not hurt at all in hitting that deer. I was good. I looked in, in, the, in the mirror and the deer was just like spazzing on the road and stuff. So. Hopefully he didn't, I didn't see him dead, but he was like hurt. You know what I mean? But my car was definitely damaged for sure. It was, it was crazy. First day. So you've gone from hitting deer in Baltimore to hitting running backs and quarterbacks. What's the biggest difference? Um, biggest difference, <laughs> but one makes me happy. And the other one did not make me happy. <laughs> That's for sure, bro. So yeah, definitely got to stick to the quarterbacks and the running backs. I'm sure for real. And what else has been the biggest adjustment? aside from hitting deer, of going from Texas to Baltimore? Um, Very different. I mean, you're talking about two different yeah. worlds, Justin, right? Yeah, they are. It is. Um, just Texas is a lot more spaced out. Houses yeah. are more spaced out. In Baltimore, I think everybody's very, very close, compact. Weather is real, real cold up here. Um, the food is different. I like the food in Baltimore so much. I like it in Texas, but Baltimore is different, like fresh seafood and all that stuff. So, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of adjustments for sure. And when the season ends, do you stay there or you go back to Texas? Uh, I sometimes go back to Texas. Um, I sometimes stay here in Baltimore too. I may sometimes even go train in Atlanta a little bit. It just depends on uh, what I got going on at the time. So, yeah. We talk about hitting running backs and quarterbacks. Is there one player in particular that it's more satisfying to bring down? Uh, no, I can't even name one. All of them. All, all, all quarterbacks, they're all the same to me. It was nice to get Tom Brady the year right before he retired. So, Oh, you got him? I, yeah, I got him. Got him for a quarter. So that was pretty cool. I could say I sacked one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. You know? <laughs> I, need so, picture. I need to find a picture to put in my like my man cave one day. But, yeah, that was pretty cool. Well, it's a Justin Matabuki, the guy who's brought down deers and goats, both together. Literally. <laughs> It's crazy. <laughs> crazy how how the world works. It's crazy. Do you say anything to Brady when you sack him? Like, got you, old man? Anything like that? <sighs> nah, I was just excited. I was just celebrating with my teammate at the time, Justin Houston. I just I was just like, thank goodness I got him. 
Yeah. God, we're good too. Yeah. Speaking of quarterbacks, what is the thing that people don't realize about your quarterback, Lamar Jackson? That man is one. Is that man is the best quarterback in the NFL? You know, I, I chase after him every day in practice. He's throwing darts, running super fast. Like great guy, great teammate, great human being. It's the best quarterback I've ever had in my life. You know what I'm saying? So. A lot of people don't know Lamar is very, very like a down to earth human being, very cool guy, um, very funny dude, great leader. And, uh, you know what I mean? He doesn't say way too much, but when he does speak, everybody listens and he means what he says and, and, and it's stamped. And that's our leader, that's our guy. So I'm thankful he's on my team. So, and what is the thing that he does the best that impresses you the most? Like the one skill that he has that just blows you away, Justin? Uh, just able to make defenders miss so and make him just look kind of ridiculous when when he does it. Just how he does it every game, every game, every game, all the time, all the time. Just like, man, he got that. He got that. The, the I don't know what kind of gene it is, the Michael Jackson gene or the or – the, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know what it is, but, but. Has he done it? Has he done it to you at practice? Has he done it to you at practice at all? Uh, you know, he may, he may have sometimes, but you know, <laughs> you're not going to yeah, that, yeah. right? <laughs> it happens to everybody. It happens to everybody. Nobody's safe. <laughs> Nobody's safe. I don't know. Nobody's safe. <laughs> special guys. But now in your mind, we're in late November. How do you envision the rest of this season playing out, Justin? Cause it's off to a great start right now. I envision it. Just dominant performances. Winning, winning, getting hot, getting hot, even believing each other even more. That's what I see. That's what I envision. Because, you know, we're willing to put in the work to do that. So if you want to put in the work to do that, stay humble and stay hungry. Why can't it be done? Why not us? That's what we feel. So it takes one day at a time, though. I asked Taylor Decker this last week. I'll ask it of you. Can you imagine what it would feel like to bring a Super Bowl to your city? Drink them true, crazy. I can't even have words to describe it. It just has to happen. It just has to happen. If if it's any years, it's just so. We're just gonna just keep taking one game at a time, man. One day at a time. So, I know you're yeah. taking one game at a time. Do you, do you ever let your mind wander there, though? I try not to. I try not to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's gonna do its thing and wander, but you need to reel it back in and be like, nope. One day at a time. That's how you get it done. So. Justin, you've played this incredibly well this season. You got a lot ahead this upcoming season, and then there will be a lot more fun in the offseason, and everything's worked out so far exactly how you'd like it to. So I wish you the very best the rest of the way. You deserve to go to the Pro Bowl this year. You deserve to have all those great honors come your way, and then all the things that follow that after. Just keep working hard and doing your thing here. Yes, sir. I appreciate it, Mr. Schefter, man. Thank you so much for having me, man. For real. Mr. Schefter. Whoa, whoa, hold on. We're not ending there. Justin. <laughs> Justin. I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm making you feel old, huh? I'm making you yeah, feel old. <laughs> I feel old enough already without you calling me Mr. Schefter. You can't yeah. do that to me, Justin, right? <laughs> Thank you very much for the time today, Justin. Appreciate you, Adam. Thank you, man. Thank you, my friend. And there is the standout defensive lineman. In his fourth year with the Baltimore Ravens, double-digit sacks, Justin Matabike. We thank him for his time today and wish him a happy 
enjoyable bye week with Baltimore on the bye this week before they come back to put together a stretch run in which they're aiming to lock up that number one seed and home field advantage in the AFC throughout the postseason. Speaking of the postseason, we're getting close to the postseason in college football here. And my Michigan football team, Christina, this past weekend had a huge win against Ohio State. They sure did. And I will say this. There aren't many times in my life that I get to sit back and be a fan, like yell and scream the way fans do. And on Saturday, we had my college buddies scattered throughout the country. Usually we come together for games like this, moments like this. Like this Saturday, we're going to watch the Big Ten Championship game together, probably my house, bring a little dinner. Michigan, Iowa, be very nice. nice. But last week, one of my college friends was sick. One of them was at the game. A couple went down to Florida for the weekend for Thanksgiving. They were all around. So there was no one left to watch the game with me. So what happened? My parents were in for the holiday from Florida. Uh, My in-laws were in for the holiday from Florida. So they came over. And my in-laws, I don't think ever saw that side of me. And I think as they watched me... (laughs) Be very demonstrative, to say the least, during that game. I think they were wondering, who in the hell did our daughter wind up marrying? Because, (laughs) again, they saw yelling and screaming and shouting and cursing at the TV and celebrating at the TV. And I don't think they ever saw that before. You know, usually I'm sitting there watching a sporting event, very passive, very pensive, just taking it all in. Don't get excited at all. But when it's Michigan, Ohio State, And Michigan's putting up its third straight win against Ohio State. And the fans flood the field the way they did. And you get to see all those people at Michigan Stadium in the big house be as happy as they are. That makes me happy that so many other people are that happy. And it was great to see. I apologize to my in-laws for behaving the way I did. I'm sure that they think less of me now. Apologize to my parents. My parents were there. They said, oh, we've seen this side of Adam as a kid. But we haven't seen this in a very long time. It's very nice to see this side of our son again. Again, <laughs> at the age of 56, you don't usually get that excited over a sporting event. In this particular case, I did. And I want to congratulate officially the Michigan Wolverines, Sharon Moore, Jesse Minter, all the players that made it possible, J.J. McCarthy and Blake Corb and the great offensive line and great defense. Outstanding job. And we will tune in again this weekend for the Big Ten Championship. Hope for a similar result and wish them luck for the rest of the season. All right. We want to thank Justin Matabike for his time here today, giving us some time. Very nice. Very appreciated. I want to thank you, Christina, for stepping in for Daniel Dopp, who's down and out this week. Sick. Hopefully he'll be back next week. I want to thank Sarah Abbott. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. We'll be back in this spot next week to look back at week 13. Look ahead to week 14. Until then, enjoy this week's games, be well, and stay safe.